I'm Pastor Dan. Hi, everybody. I'm Jessica. And this is... Yes. That's that. too good. Did I hear that Casey? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Casey uh, is the mastermind behind the song. And Love it. Uh, yeah, so that's that's his voice with some auto tune and all that good stuff. So he said that he would make more um, okay. like 80s or 90s throwbacks um, kind of parodies for us. It. So I'm like, yeah, why not? Um, so in the future, we'll probably change it up and keep it fresh for all you listeners out there. Um, but enjoy it while it's here right now. Um, the midweek bump song. But anyways, uh, so yeah, so I'm here uh, with Jess and we're going to be talking about this past Sunday. Um, this past Sunday was uh, her first time preaching here on the main stage. So uh, so yeah, so this was a standalone message called But Then Jesus. And, uh, and so we're going to dive into it a little bit. But before we do, I want to hear from you, Jess, just kind of as this was leading up to this process, when PT asked you, uh, hey, can you speak this Mother's Day? Um, what was some of the processes as you were writing it? Maybe some things that were going on, um, you know, uh, just with the Lord or whatever it is um, that was that inspiration mm. kind of led you to it. Yeah. Uh, well, when PT first asked me, there was some nerves, obviously, like right <laughs> away. I mean, sure. being back with the kiddos, their hearts are soft and moldable. They don't have very many judgments and stuff and adults. Yeah. I mean, they're just a bunch of big kids, but it, yeah. yeah. So definitely some nerves and <laughs> it's an honor. Uh, that's for sure yeah. uh, to be asked. And I also know it's a big responsibility too. You know, the words that you're saying. Um, yeah. And, and so it, it was, it was a very um, incredible experience, though, spending that time with God in preparation and the work He has done in my life mm-hmm. um, is radical. I have I have such a good God, and you know, communicating what He's done in my life um, without oversharing as well. You know, I <laughs> uh, I needed discernment there, and Matt was actually a big part in in helping me write, you know, some of this here and. Um, God's good. So I've always really loved the passage that that I ended up choosing. I Mm -hmm. could really relate, you know, to the woman, to the desperation, all of that, and Jesus being the ultimate healer, you know. Um, It it took me a a rough path to find my way to um, God as being my healer. Uh, even though I've known, you know, Jesus for a number of years, I asked him in my heart as as a little kid, uh, that surrender, that desperation, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. actually taking the steps to turn the wheel over to God, yeah. uh, it took a number of years. And so, so yeah, it, it was a, a really cool experience. And God really highlighted different things uh, in the process of writing this that, you know, I had, I had never noticed before. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was great. Yeah. Well, some of the best parts of learning, you know, actually, whenever the best way to learn is actually to teach. And, uh, and so 
you know, that's why I encourage even like in kids church and other stuff when people are helping out back there and some people feel like, I don't really feel like I know enough to be able to do it. It's like, well, if you jump in, you're actually kind of doing the studying. It's kind of almost forcing you to do the studying and the preparation and learning and then you're teaching it and it helps you to actually memorize it or remember it better. Yeah. So it's actually like a great place to start if that's, if you're looking for a place to grow you know, out there, listeners, um, you know, kids church doing stuff like that would be huge because you're yeah, teaching the, the basics of our faith mm-hmm. uh, to the kids and they obviously need to uh, hear it, but um, it's also going to help you grow uh, in your spiritual walk. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's cool. That's cool that in the process, I love that God just, man, he doesn't, he doesn't waste things. Mm-mm. And, um, you know, so it's like, hey, yeah, he's got a message prepping for over here, but he's also speaking and ministering to you at the same time. So you're getting fed as well as when you're feeding others on Sunday morning, uh, whenever you're preaching. And so it's a cool process and mm-hmm. that's awesome. That yeah. was a, a yeah. joint effort and, uh, with you and Matt and, um, and you guys were able to lay this down and it, it was good. Um, so the overall message, so let's, let's dive into it and, uh, and touch on all, touch on all the different kind of players in this story. And, uh, yeah. So, um, by the way, have you, do you watch the show, The Chosen? I do. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen this scene? Um, So that was kind of a cool God story because I had already written my sermon Uh and Matt and I decided to turn it on. We watch it periodically, you know, and Uh so... um, and that that was the last one I've seen. So okay. I was like, "Oh man, this is so cool!" Yeah. yeah, I like seeing it come to life like that. And yeah, so yes, I have seen seen that episode. Awesome, very powerful. Yeah, it's a it's a real powerful episode, and and it is it, it, you know it's free. It's on an app, Angel Studios. I think lets you actually airplay it on your TV without mm-hmm. like all the little buttons and things on there. The Chosen app is great. Um, and, uh, but it's hard to airplay it on there. They have all the little buttons, but Angel Studios has a ton of, uh, Christian content on there that's free that you can watch it that way. Um, so if you're out there listening, like, oh, I'm going to check out, I've heard about the chosen, seen things on Facebook, you know, I recommend it, you know, definitely watch it. I think it's really great. Um, yes, it's not like verbatim. They're not just saying only what you read in the Bible, the scriptures and only Jesus isn't only saying red letters, but they're making it a lie for you to dive Mm -hmm. into the story, to connect relationally to the story. Uh, it's not just knowledge based or just trying to, you know, basically put the Bible on display, but it's trying to show you the whole entire culture and the, the world that, that ancient times have stepped in. It's yeah, so it's helpful. It's really good. And my yeah. kids like it too. So yeah. it's it's something we can watch as a family. And mm. yeah. Yeah, that's so important, especially nowadays, to find that those shows that you yeah. can kind of enjoy together. So anyway, so yeah, so diving in here, um, the sermon title, but then Jesus. And uh so just diving in here, the the main scripture here is in Mark 521 through 43. And this is the this is the story here of Jesus coming in um well, getting off the boat after when he already met with a guy who had the demon legion mm-hmm. that was within him, and uh, and that was a cool little setup. I love that you're you're like I love what you said. You're just like divine activity. The people there were more afraid of divine activity than demonic activity, mm-hmm. right? Because they got used to coping with this man who was demon possessed yeah. and being tortured. So um, yeah, I thought that was a really powerful statement. Yeah. And, uh, and it's true. Um, uh, we can almost make room for those things um, because it's familiar. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I guess even things that are quote-unquote bad um, can be somewhat of a comfort blanket for us because it's we're familiar with right. it. 
Right. You know, and uh, and so that that that's true in in our own way how we conduct our lives. I mean, a lot of times when we get really self introspective, we can realize that you know even people like relationships in our life. Um, you may have been around or in a part of a family that maybe had some very um, I don't know, toxic uh, kind of traits. And even though you know that they are bad, but you will sometimes, if you're not aware of it, subconsciously gravitate towards others that remind you of those because it's sure. familiar sure. to you. And, uh, and so it's, uh, that was a, I think that was a home run, uh, just a little point there. And that wasn't even part of the main story, but that was the, the precursor into it. So yep. I love Gotta that. Gotta read the whole chapter, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Context. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's kind of where we're coming into this story here. Like you mentioned in your sermon, uh, coming in here, seeing how this all happened. Um, you know, Jesus dealing with this man who was demon possessed and, um, Fun fact about him is that whenever we we go back to that region later on in Jesus' ministry, and, you know, because the guy who got um, set free, yeah. he wanted to come with Jesus. And he's like, no, right. no, no, go, go back to your town and tell him. Well, when we go back to that region later on in Jesus' ministry, if you catch it, and you'll see that that whole town all got saved, and he's the one that evangelized them all. I did not know that. Yeah. My mind is just blown right now. <laughs> yeah, so he. Okay. So there was a reason why Jesus was like, nah, right. you got it, go right. ahead and spread the good news. And that was like a Gentile region, not really yes. a Jewish region. Yeah. So it's interesting that all of the Gentile regions, like the woman at the well mm. and other stuff, he was totally like, look... Tell everybody right. that I'm the Messiah and everything. But when it came to Jewish areas, he didn't because mm-hmm. it was not his time mm-hmm. yet, and they would have obviously probably crucified him a lot sooner than he was knew the time, right? Because right. he was doing whatever he saw the Father do, and God was kind of giving him the timing on that. But isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. we're gonna have to talk after. Do you know yeah. where, what part of the uh, Gospels? He goes back. Yeah, uh, we we can uh, we can look it up exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know off the top of my head, um, but yeah. I just got super excited. I did not realize that. So yeah, very cool. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, what a testimony. But yeah, the people were afraid, and I think after when they saw for a while of uh, this man's change, the change of heart, the encounter with Jesus, and then he goes back, and then not only that, but you know, it's not sometimes just the initial telling of the testimony. Sometimes. It's the people observing your fruit, right? You know? Right. And I, I mean, think, every yeah. time they saw this guy walked around, now he's clothed. He's totally sane. <laughs> like, exactly. They're reminded of Jesus, you know. Yes, you know, clothed, not cutting himself. Yeah. You know, he wasn't, you know, acting, you know, crazy. And and so I think it, it was a little bit of that. Like, well, we'll see, because at mm-hmm. some points he probably was uh, sober-minded, you know, and then other times he would just right. flail out. Right. I don't. We don't know exactly, exactly, but I would assume. Um, you know, there were moments where he was sober-minded in, in the possession stuff. So I think that they just, well, I don't know. And this, you know, he seems so fine, but time will tell kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it yeah. was that fruit of his encounter and people seeing the way how he stewarded his life that they begin to see that he, this man's truly set free, um, which is powerful. And I think that's a huge point, you know, for us as Christians that, you know, you may have had an amazing life encounter like on Easter Sunday or something, and then you go tell your friends and then you don't really get a big whoop from any, anybody and sure. there's no amazing yeah. movie <laughs> moment, you know, and you're like, but I shared it. I did the thing. I stepped out. And it's like, yeah, you were obedient. That was great. You planted the seed. And then your life, um, let your life water the right. seed that you right. spoke. Let your life, let the way how you love, the way how you interact, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, let that be the water then, and then watch and see right. after a while. So you know, it's and it's, Trust is something that needs to be built too and, and takes time. And 
Um, yeah, but over time, just continuing taking yes. those, those steps with Jesus and it being a genuine change. That means your life then has integrity and it, it, it'll just flow out of you. So yeah. I can definitely relate there too. So definitely a good stuff. Yeah. So that's the leading into Mark <laughs> 5, <laughs> 21 through 43. And so we'll just kind of paraphrase a little bit here. Um, we don't have to reread it. Uh, if you want to read it for yourself, go ahead. Um, but anyways, uh, Jesus is getting off. He's coming in. Uh, just got back from doing all of that awesome stuff with the guy. He was dealing with Legion. Comes back over. And um, as he's walking around, there's a man, uh, a Jairus or Jairus. Um, he comes up to him, and he's a synagogue leader. And, uh, and so... Uh, it's interesting, I find, with him because he, uh, like from The Chosen, really gives you a good uh, kind yeah. of vision of what that is. He was more like a like a synagogue librarian kind of deal. He wasn't like the high priest or the head, like, Pharisee guy, but he was definitely a faith-filled man, you know, loved the Lord, and uh, he was like a librarian type of deal. And so he is actually in The Chosen. They, mm-hmm. they portray him uh, in there. And... Um, he uh, comes running up. So for him to go to Jesus, who was obviously probably a lot of people being skeptical of him that were the very religious type, for him to come to Jesus, it was like he got to this place of desperation, but got to this thing, and that was very could be very damaging to his reputation. Right. So right. Uh, that was that was interesting. But he's running up. He comes to Jesus. He fell at his feet. You know. And then basically he just pleads with him. Says his daughter's dying, and uh, basically um, Jesus is like. Hey, you know, don't worry about it. It's going to be good. Let's let's head over there. And as they're on their way over there, now they're in tiny streets. And I love that you pointed out the only a couple donkeys can walk through there. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's jam packed. For those of you who don't like to be claustrophobic or whatever, it's like that would that would have been your nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> walking down there. So he's walking down. And there's a woman. Yeah, who was dealing with the issue of blood. We all kind of know the story uh, for about twelve years. And uh, she went everywhere to every doctor. And this was like her last hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she busts through and basically um, comes on through. And, you know, I guess, I mean, just kind of it's busting through, pushing through people, whatever. It was a very crowded street to get to him and out of her desperation and, and basically touched the fringes of his garment, um, you know, which we talked about was the Jewish tallit. And, um, and so in those times, the Jewish tallit that we have today, back then it was more like just the tassels were sewn on the bottoms of their robes, and that was kind of their prayer thing. And it was a very important thing. It's how they would pray. They would rub their thumbs on it. And it was also just kind of that show of like the tabernacle. Um, back in the days of Moses, it was like the, a little personal tabernacle, mm. and it was their way. And so when they would take the Jewish tallit, like nowadays they put it over their head, it's to formulate like that tabernacle, right. like I'm I'm creating a holy space right here and praying with God whenever we cover. And uh, and so the Jewish tallit, um, that's kind of what was based off of these things with the tassels, with the, the tzitzits. And um, so she touches that, and then basically she gets healed, and uh, it's this big scene. Mm-hmm. So um, coming in here, um, the things that really pointed out to you, Whenever you were explaining it, I thought it was really cool of just how obviously everyone's touching Jesus, who touched me. Right. And there's this whole scene here. Right. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> kind of just some of the things that really pointed out to you. Yeah. I mean, I, th- the biggest point I had made about the woman was that mm. she had heard about Jesus, right? She was hearing, hearing testimonies about him, and she was not from Capernaum. And, and being in a state of complete 
hopelessness where she had tried everything, you know, it, it kind of was, oh, what do I have to lose? You know, but at the same time, she was risking a lot. You know, mm-hmm. what if it didn't work sort of thing? So she had to take that tiny bit of hope that she was receiving from the testimony she was hearing and turn it into faith by taking an action step. You know, I find it really interesting um, that so many people were touching Jesus, Mm. but she, he knew when the power came out from him Mm. when she touched, right? Yeah. Um, Because there was that desperation, that gift of desperation uh, and and faith that she had. Um, So, Yeah. And being unclean, you know, I, I was making the joke up on stage, elbowing people out of the way. She's yeah. making everybody <laughs> unclean, you know, and yeah. and so she was not supposed to be there, you mm. know. And I will probably get into this, but then then Jesus' response to her, you know, he didn't just keep going on his way, mm-hmm. knowing that he had just healed somebody. He was out to restore, you know, that root issue, um, her identity. You know, because she would have been known for uh, this issue. Uh, she, her whole life was wrapped around it. You know, she couldn't have personal yeah. relationships with people. And so yeah. he, he wanted to heal that, you know, and that's the type of God we have, yeah. you know. So. And that that's what I love. Like, um, when you dive in deep in the life of Jesus and you look at the miracles, the miracles aren't just for the sake of a miracle, uh, right. In the sense, it, it's also to communicate a deeper message and meaning right. uh, that he's trying to share. Um, the overall deeper message is just the fact that he has the authority to forgive sins, so therefore he can also have the authority to over sickness and disease and over demons. Mm-hmm. And it's all kind of proof of showing and evidence that he does have the authority to forgive sins, because that's not something you just kind of, you can't see that. It's not material or physical. It's a spiritual thing, the sins and the cleansing of it. But all the other physical things are all signs that point to uh, what that ultimate authority, the the best and greatest miracle is just salvation, being able to be saved and, and be cleansed. But but I love that in this, and like you pointing out that, because he wanted to not only restore her identity, but it also he was advocating and, and validating her in front of everybody because all those people probably would have known she has an issue with blood, mm-hmm. let alone just looking at your face and everything. It's like flushed, sure. you know, and all that. And, you know, and, and they probably seen her in the streets because what she would have to do is yell unclean when she'd walk around mm-hmm. the streets. Um, you know, and it was a Jewish law. This was a common thing. It wasn't, you know, um, it wasn't a personal attack on her, but it was just part of their culture and part of the Old Testament Levitical law was that if there were those things, you, you weren't allowed to go around and touch people, and they would become impure, and so they had to do then a purity ritual. So it was kind of like a hassle, like, oh, you made me unclean. Right. It's like, oh, now i got to go to the temple, now i got to sacrifice, now i got to do this, right. you know, to get back to clean. And um, so it was just kind of like loving your your neighbor, you know, in the sense of, like, I'm, I'm unclean, just, like, don't touch me, just be aware that I have that. Or if you had leprosy, the same thing. So... With that, uh, I love that because he's not only—he's also validating her and speaking to her identity, mm-hmm. and then validating her in front of everybody, saying, "No, she is clean. Right. She's been healed. She's set free." Right. And so, all those who thought, "Oh, uh, am I clean? Unclean?" It's like, listen, when you touch Jesus, it's you—you you know, before Jesus, it was unclean things can make you unclean. Now, with Jesus, the unclean things cannot make you unclean, mm-hmm. but the clean things can make unclean things clean. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So there's like total reversal, and it's just Jesus. That's why, you know, it, they say, well, who are you? Or, you know, they're trying to say, are you greater than Moses and all that when they're challenging him? And he's like, the, uh, the one who's greater than Moses is here, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, and, and, and that's 
part of the evidence of that he's greater than Moses is that he makes the unclean things clean. And uh, so I love that in this story, and I love you yeah, pointing out he's calling out to her identity, calling her daughter, calling her like that intimate um, kind of just, you know, title of daughter and, and seeing that. And just I think just really being a conduit of the love of the father of looking at uh, his children. Um, and he's likened Israel to his children many times in the Old Testament. And so I just seeing that yeah. um, I think was so powerful probably uh, and astounding to people, especially in those times, to yeah. really see that on display. Yeah. So, because um, I think a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, oh man, she's going to get it. Yeah, she, yeah look, look at her. She's breaking the law, doing everything, yeah. doing this. And she just made Jesus now unclean. And then bam, like she got healed. And it's like, whoa, like, right. you know. <laughs> no condemnation at all, you know. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah, and it, the bigger miracle to me is him getting down to that identity problem, right. you know. Right. And I mean, not to be, you know, a Debbie Downer, but the woman was going to die, you know, again, <laughs> at some point, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she didn't yeah. die of that, but she was going to die, right? right. So the bigger miracle um, was calling that out. You yes. are a daughter mm-hmm. and you are clean, right? Yes. And so be freed, be freed from your suffering. So Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, 12 years struggling with something um, to that major degree and mm-hmm. then literally have to announce everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, now we have like those... Uh, laws of confidentiality and all these other things where you don't have to go around and shout whatever you got going on. You know, it's like, you don't walk in every room and, you know, I, I have the, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, you can kind of tell someone has a flu, but you know, it'd be like funny if that was the law. Anxiety, anxiety coming in. (laughs) But I did, I did, you know, address that, that we do do that. You know, we, Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before, you know, uh, taking ownership of our issues, uh, being so wrapped up in our issues that it's who we become, um, you know, and losing sight of our real purpose and our identity in Christ. And uh, we're very guilty of doing that, you know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, definitely uh, in this life, we, yeah, we've made um, diseases, we've made, um, you know, whatever, whatever kind of disorders or things that are going on, um, mental problems, things, we made those become an identity. Um, even, even other things, um, even just, uh, people's certain practices they do based off of their choices. This is, well, this is my identity. And in the ancient times, it's, you know, I'm actually teaching in youth right now. We're going through TikTok theology. And actually this Wednesday, I'm talking about just Jesus with the, uh, homosexual movement and that whole thing and how that all relates and how, Good. how Christians, how do we deal? How do we talk with it? But even doing my studies in that, you know, in ancient times, it wasn't seen as an identity mm-hmm. thing. It was just seen as mm-hmm. a thing that you practiced. It was a thing that those who practice these things, you know, this is not good. You know, you're putting it into practice or you're you're doing these actions. They saw it as, it's not your identity. So people back then didn't identify, say, this is what I am. There was right. no word for this title of a person who does it. It was more of a um, practice of people do these terrible things or these bad things, right, or these immoral things. So... That was the difference between ancient world to then modern day mm. world. We are taking it in now as an identity. So it's an even deeper issue because now you have to deal with not only is it a behavior, but now it's also a community you've joined, uh, all your relationships and everything else going on as far as this is who I am right. now. Now right. I have to change who I am. And and so it's just been a, a, a lie of the enemy that has duped um, these last generations um, into taking these things on as their identity. Um, and when you're a Christian... 
that is the identity that you have uh, is with him in Christ yes. Jesus. You are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. It says that uh, he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Uh, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Whenever you get saved, there's all these things. You're born again. There's, there's a whole new identity is what you have. And so us as believers, we have to keep that in mind, that that's our number one identity. Mm-hmm. Before my nationality, before my heritage, before my where my ancestors came from, before my race, before my ethnicity, um, before, you know, what part of the country I live, uh, you know, whatever, um, what football team I brute for. It, it, yeah. All those things are so secondary yes. to the thing of being a part of Jesus and in the faith family. And uh, and we have to remind ourselves that because culture is going the con- different way. Mm. So I think that's a great, yeah, point. Exactly. People are totally, they come in, they announce, well, this is what I'm dealing with. So now it's all your guys' problem too. And it's like, <laughs> nope, that's really selfish. I don't think so. I think you, you're the one that needs to change because we're, you know, and, and, and get over those things. I had yeah. a girl one time when I was doing young adults ministry, had a girl came to me, it was her first, first time with us. And she, it was a little bit of a, she kind of rubbed some of the other girls the wrong way. She kind of got real snippy and real angry and everything. And so I was like, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know her story, whatever. And she comes in. She goes, hey, so just to let you know, she's like, if anybody brings up this date, if we have an event on this date, if we do anything, I'm going to flip out and like and get in a fight with anybody who's against this date. Um, there was a certain date, and then there was something else that she was really highly offended by. And I said, Okay, like why? I mean, she had it. It was terrible. You know, her sister, her younger sister, or her older sister passed away, you know, kind of, you know, um, like in an accident or something like that. It was like all of a sudden kind of thing. And uh, and so that date was when her sister passed away. Her She has her sister's car, and her car is literally left the same. Nothing's been touched mm-hmm. um, inside. It's just kind of like this um, paying homage, you know, kind of to her sister. But she had these little pillars here, mm-hmm. and it was like, Okay, I said, I understand your story. I said, but you need to understand nobody else here knows that story. And B, we're not going to change that for you because of this. It's something you're going to have to work through because yeah. not everywhere in yeah. life are they going to make room to make sure they don't mention March 15th. And if they do, that's going to set you right. off and then you right. start biting heads off. And um, that's I, this is a growing moment for you because better to do that here in the church and we work through it than for you to find out the hard way in life out there at a job somewhere or right, something like that, and right. you just act irrationally and lose your job or face major consequences. So let's love you through it. Let's 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 help you get over that. And she did, mm-hmm. and she Me? was a part of our group. Yeah. So uh, yeah, announcing it coming in, you know, um, okay, but let's let's love you through it. And let's get you to a place of, of healing and being better. Um, right. Because that's what Jesus right. did. Jesus yep. did this lady with the wish with the issue of blood. He healed her, got her better, restored her identity, and got her back on track. And we as the church get to partner with Jesus to do that very thing Amen. with anybody else who comes in saying, this is what I'm dealing with, this is what's going on. So anyways, I think that's a great point. Um, so overhearing, basically, so Jairus gets the news, mm-hmm. daughter's dead, quit bothering Jesus now. I like to <laughs> imagine him getting like really antsy and stuff as Jesus ha- is having this interaction with yes. this woman, taking his time. He's like, what the heck? Yeah. I got him first. <laughs> Wait in line. you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I totally feel for him too. It's like, I, I mean, know. especially in this, this day and age, man, you know, impatience is just rampant, but like, I mean, just like, okay, we're on our way. All right. You know, I mean, his daughter is literally dying, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I totally understand and feel for him. And then all of a sudden, like, Jesus just like, hold up. Yeah, I know. Someone touched me. <laughs> 
I could just, oh man, if I could just be a fly on the wall and watch that scene, everyone's face, you know, I think it was Peter's like, Lord, like everyone's touching right. me, you know, you know, what's going on? And I, I just love that. Um, that scene, very comical in hindsight, but, uh, yeah, yeah so I could but see him then being... the bad report does come, <laughs> yes. right? It's yeah. like, darn you woman, you yeah. know? <laughs> no, right. yeah, the bad report comes. Yeah. Your daughter's dead. Mm-hmm. Why bother the teacher anymore, yeah. you know? And I and I do believe I think I now don't quote me on this, but I do believe that this is the first kind of resurrection in his ministry. Mm-hmm. So it's before Lazarus, obviously it's before him or as being resurrected. So Jesus hasn't done this kind of thing yet. The disciples kind of are like, okay, healings he can do. Right. Coming back from the dead is a whole nother right. thing. That's a whole nother thing. And uh so it's a very um interesting thing here. Whenever that's why they're like, she's dead, so stop bothering him. Mm-hmm. So obviously the common idea was is that he can do miracles, he can do these things, he can cast out demons and stuff, but as far as raising the dead, that's something that's not on the docket. Right. They weren't expecting him to have that ability. And uh, and so there is a little bit of that. That's why they're like, hey, quit, quit bothering him. It's too late. you know. And so I could see the frustration on Jairus's face of mm-hmm. just like, man, if this woman would have just waited her turn, mm-hmm. my, my daughter could have been alive too, and she could have gotten her healing. But she was rudely, you know, just kind of right. came in and took it. And, um, you know, God just works in different ways than how we think is yes, the proper order. And uh, and you and, know what? And he's not in a hurry, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, he's not in a hurry. Because he, he's time doesn't rule him. And uh, he's above time. He invented time. So getting the whole thing where people get bent out of shape about little things with time or this or that, like... Man, that is so not God's perspective. Nope. Um, not at all. Um, and and for you know, we we do live in a culture that is a little bit more big on time and letting time kind of rule us in every aspect of life. But other cultures are not like that. So it's not like that's the way of the world is. It's just the way how maybe we are or the Western world is. But there is something to that of understanding and knowing that time doesn't rule everything. That God can work outside of time, yes. and um, He can do amazing things in five minutes, and He can mm-hmm. do amazing things in a prolonged mm-hmm. two-hour service, and uh, it's just how He wants to do it. Well, when I ran through my sermon one time, uh, you know, last week, yeah. it was like over an hour and a half, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> so I strongly believe He like made time stop in there, yeah, because yeah. I was like, "What? What am I going to cut out?" And Pastor Terry warned me, like, "You have like you know a few different sermons here." So <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot, and it is hard, especially when you're preaching like one offs. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I got all this stuff kind of working on going on in here, and it's like, yeah, how do how I just do you, pinpoint how one do you thing? Do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. um, Time is, 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 you know, I mean, to function in this world, yeah, we have the time and all this stuff. But but there is something to be said, though, where you, you have to make sure that that's not taking a place that it shouldn't in your life mm-hmm. and making sure that you don't let that be a major voice in maybe your understanding of how God's working. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's really irrelevant to God. He's so outside of it. That's why Jesus is, would probably refuse to allow time to really sure. dictate things in his ministry because it's one of his creations. So why would he let a creation dictate to him how he's supposed to be? So, because um, he's the creator. So, um, going on here, he hears this, and um, I love that Jesus just kind of immediately starts to encourage him, mm-hmm. you know, in the midst of that. Like, he starts speaking encouragement. Mm-hmm. Just like with us, it's like, you know, timing, oh, everything's like, wait, oh, no, it's too late, oh, my gosh, right. you know? And then, like, the Holy Spirit's just like, it's okay. Yeah, it's I got all right. this. I got this. Yeah. Right. And he just witnessed, you know, a really cool miracle. Mm-hmm. Even 
you know, if he was annoyed with that woman, he got to see, you know, a miracle <laughs> happen. So, okay. Right. You know, and, and it says that, you know, Jesus ignored that human report. Yes. And then I, I just, I like picturing him getting his eyes on Jairus and being like, hey, you look <laughs> at me. You just heard yeah. this, but look at me. Right. Know? Yeah, keep your eyes on me. Stay focused in on it. You know, it's okay. Have faith about your mm-hmm. daughter. Um, and I love that you're correlating, you know, the daughter. Jesus called the one with the issue of blood daughter. And then it's like, yeah. you know, just like how I did for my daughter, you know, I'm going to do for your daughter kind of thing. There was that whole thing. I love that connection there. And uh, so they end up going. Um, and they get there. It is it is kind of a weird scene because there's like there's professional mourners right. back in there. So all these people are just like, Whoa! you know, just, I mean, they're just wailing, and they're just they're they're professionals. They're not right. they're not even family members. They're just people who are supposed to go around and yeah, wail. They get paid to yeah. yeah. That would be an interesting job <laughs> nowadays. Know, I yeah, know. I play uh, I play gigs at funerals. Um, let me know. I mean, you always have job <laughs> security. I guess. Oh my gosh, she's a really good crier. You need yeah. to hire her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she can cry, man. Like uh, on the turn of a dime, man. And uh, so they had these whalers, and Jesus just kind of walks in. He's like, "Hey, you know, she's asleep." You know, mm-hmm. and they all start laughing and making fun of him, mocking him. And uh, they're like, no, 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 she's really dead. Like, we've checked, we've, we've checked three times, whatever. Uh, he tells everybody to get out. And yep. he has, you know, Peter, James, and John. They stick with him. And, uh, you know, and then he basically, he touches her hand. And the thing that stands out to me when I, I, um, I did a study on this, when, whenever he touched her hand, it's the same kind of concept with the woman with issue blood. What you're not supposed to touch dead bodies in Levitical mm-hmm. law. So for him to touch her body was like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. So to even Peter, James, and John, they're like, oh, my gosh, wait, what are you doing? You know, I've never seen you raise somebody from the dead before. Like, what are we doing? What's going to happen? I don't know. Everybody's supposed to get kicked out, but yet he did the healing out there in the middle of the street. So why is there this change here? And, and you know, there's that unfaith, the, the unfaithful or the, the disbelief in the room and the mocking can play into atmospheres. Yeah. Um, and then when there's unbelief in the room, it's like it is, it can suck the room dry mm. of it. And uh, and so causing the separation and telling them, you must leave this atmosphere. If you have unbelief, leave it. And and having those that do believe that something can happen based off of what they've seen, you know, is a crucial point here in this point. And Jesus understood this concept, and that's why he wanted mm. only them in there. And also if they would have saw him touch this dead body, you're right. unclean. Oh my gosh, you know, this is crazy. So for him taking her hand, again, same concept. I make the unclean things clean. Yeah. And uh unclean doesn't make me unclean. And he's so it's showing he has authority over death. He has authority over sickness and disease. He has this authority that he's constantly showing everybody around him and to us as the readers, understanding that he has this authority over these things. So we can trust whenever he says, hey, whenever the Bible's saying, hey, you know, in Jesus' name, pray for healing and, and you, know, you know, lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, we have then this, that's how you build your faith up by hearing the word of God. So if you're believing for a healing and a miracle, if you're believing for breakthrough in your life, you have to get into the scriptures, start studying the life of Jesus and all those miracles, and get those to the point where you literally have them memorized. You could say them verbatim, and you get that because you're feeding your spirit and you're building up your faith by hearing the word of God and surround yourself with that. Mm. Stop surrounding yourself with people who have unbelief or people who are relying on earthly strength 
whenever there's no hope in the earthly strength or other means that you can do. If you've done everything you know to do, like the one with the issue of blood, and like my only hope is Jesus, okay, then if your only hope is Jesus, then block out anything that's anti-Jesus or saying something different yeah. than what his word says and just develop it. There was a man I know, um, he was uh, diagnosed with cancer, given so much time to live, and he just blocked everything out that was negative. Mm. He just anything negative, anything wrong, anything like that. And he literally, I think he rented like a, a ton of DVDs of the Three Stooges. <laughs> there you go. He was a Christian, you know. Laugh. Yeah, laughter yeah. does the heart good like medicine. And he just like held on to that verse and like, I'm going to laugh. And it was with clean laughter, yeah. you know. And I'm going to watch the Three Stooges. That's, that was his gig. That's what made him laugh. And he just sat there and literally he like got a hotel room away from all of the negative Nancys and people in his house, all anything that would remind him of anything. And he literally just watched the Three Stooges and then held on to those mm. Bible verses and like quoted them and literally was completely cancer free. Wow. And, uh, and that was, you know, what he felt led to do in that moment. So it's, you know, those little things there is cool. But, you know, diving into that, that that is so big. So that's why Jesus is kind of causing the separation. That's why he's trying to bring this in here. Because um, yeah, that, you know, that was something that I, I didn't really dig into because I wasn't, I don't have all the answers for it. Because I was like, there has to be something there that, you know, Jesus didn't allow unbelief to be present, you know. Yeah. And so I'm glad you elaborated on that. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, and, and I loved what you said. You were like, you know, she's 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how long the one with the issue of blood. Yeah. And so making those those connections there um, of really correlating the two stories there. And, and they do have the the overall similar themes of Jesus making the unclean clean, um, mm-hmm. which he does with all of us. Yes, he, he cleanses does. us of all yes, unrighteousness and makes us clean. <laughs> so it's just further, man, prophetically telling people uh, this is what he's really after. The physical stuff, like we said, these people are going to die. I mean, that lady, that girl who came back to life, <laughs> she had to go back and she eventually did die. You know, right. it wasn't forever. But what Jesus was really after, the main mission was really after our our spirits, really after us having eternal yes. life with him. Yes. And so these are all just foretastes of the future glory of what we're going to see and Amen. experience. So that's the beautiful thing. When you read these things of that, man, I, I encourage you to to reflect on that and see it in that way. That's not just like, oh, wow, that's cool. Like she got healed. That's awesome. Yes, but there's a message for you in there. Mm-hmm. Not, and well, I'm not sick. I'm not doing anything. Oh, but there's an even deeper mm-hmm. message for you. You are unclean without Jesus, and now he made you clean. And, uh, and it wasn't anything on your own accord other than you put your faith in him. And just like the woman with the issue of blood had faith to come after Jesus and, and 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 elbow through the crowd. Didn't care what it looked like and who got offended. I need Jesus, yeah. you know. Um, same thing with uh, Jairus, you know. Who, you know, I need to, you know, put away my personal pride or maybe who cares what my coworkers think or what the people at the synagogue and my livelihood and everything else is putting put on the line. And I need Jesus, right? Right. right. I don't care if you fire me and then I can't have this awesome because that was a really good job he had. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to put all that stuff online because I need Jesus and I'm desperate for yes. him. And um, and so these people are just these great, you can kind of find yourself in these stories of getting desperate for Jesus, seeking first the kingdom of God, and these other things will be added to you. And that is so vital. Um, so I just encourage you listening in that. Um, you know, you can find your story. You don't have to be sick to relate to this. You can also see what Jesus is ultimately trying to speak to you, the deeper truth here mm-hmm. is that we're he's going after salvation for humanity as far as it being offered to us mm-hmm. um so anyways uh so yeah so the little girl she comes back 
And they get her something to eat. Get um, her something yeah. to eat. She just died. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, death makes you really hungry. <laughs> That's why there's a feast up in heaven whenever we, uh-huh. we all get uh, up there. Um, there's going to be plenty of food and uh, no calories. Uh, anyway, so so I love that. Yeah, you're pointing out the 12 years, um, but then Jesus. So the, we go into the woman, and um, and so uh, receiving her miracle, and uh, just some of the things that pointed out um, that were here on your sermon, just like she was known for, uh, identified by this issue, identified wrapped up in the issue like we talked about earlier. I thought that, again, was so powerful. That's definitely something I encourage you to not let ident- those things become an identity. Yes. Uh, that is so vital. Um, that's your first step of overcoming it is not, uh, not possessing it, um, and, and taking ownership of it, that it is separate from you. These things are separate from you right. and they're trying to invade you. You can say you deal with, right. Because there is a separation there. Right. We're battling. Yeah. Cause there is, you know, the importance of recognizing, admitting, you know, when we have is- issues, you know, but that's yeah. different than completely identifying by it, you know. It's what I think about, talk about all the time. It's who I am because that, Mm. you know, that starts telling your brain there's no hope. You can't change because it's who you are, you know. And and there's power in life and death in the tongue. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, there it's not in the Bible for no reason. I mean, it's in there. Like you can speak things over your life. And so always saying, I deal with this. I have this. I have, I have, I have taking ownership of that. You're, you're not rebuking the thing. You're not attacking it. You're not speaking God's word over your life. You're speaking what the enemy says over your life. And that's the thing you have to realize. And so I, I get like, well, it's, you know, more common things we got to deal with, things that are happening. We have more medical research. And it's like, that's all fine and dandy. But I know who the creator is who made us. Right. And, uh, and what he says is that power and life and death are in the tongue. And he knows how these things affect us spiritually and the spiritual always affects them the physical so if the creator who made everything and created us uh, to be a three-part being, mind, body, and spirit, he knows how everything works together. So he knows that there is something to do with the, with the mouth that has that, that power to it that can speak things over us. And so there is. And, they, and they've done tests on this. They took two potted plants, same sunlight, same <laughs> everything. One room, I go in the one room, and I speak to my plant, and I say... Um, you're ugly. I, yeah, you're ugly. You're <laughs> terrible. I, I hate you. You know, I don't like the color green on you. I don't like whatever. You know, you're just like, I don't like your potted plant or I don't like your pot. You know, I don't, whatever. You get, you start seeking to do it. And then you go to the other room and you say, so Oh, you're pretty. wonderful. You're amazing. Look at you, right? Oh, yeah, you know, just I love your ivory, whatever, you know, uh, or the ivy. You know, so, uh, so for me, they did this and it's been proven time and time again. You will see it. The plant will die. You've watered it, give the same amount of sunlight, and the other plant. Um, thrives. Um, there is something that they found. That is so cool. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and so there is that power, life, yeah. and death that yeah. he's given you that authority. And so when you come in there and you do that, God is not nowhere in the Bible said, you know, thou art depressed, thou art, you know, filled with anxiety, <laughs> thou art uh, whatever you're, you're dealing with, right. whatever mental issue, schizophrenia, things like that. No, no, no. Uh, okay, you identified the issue that you deal with, and now I'm going to quote what the Bible yes. says about these yeah. things, to not be anxious for anything, like it says in Philippians, and, and go through that whole process that Paul walks out to get freedom from it. And it might be a battle you have to, but initially... Mm-hmm couple, three months, how your brain works, neurological pathways will kick in and it'll become like a knee-jerk reaction to overcome it. But you have to really put in the work for those three months to really renew your mind mm-hmm. and, and fix those things. Science is totally backing up what the Bible mm-hmm. is. And um, if you know how to make those connections, 
So that's just something that I, I get very passionate about because I know we've talked about it before, yeah. you know, and, and, and I talk with others about it. And just, man, to see that, that is one of the greatest lies right now in this current generation and the youth um, that are being told to them because of quote unquote medical research, but it's being reinforced that to, to accept it as possessing it and to quote it and speak that over your life all the time. And then celebrate it. Yeah. You know, taking it a mm-hmm. step further. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Enabling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I could go on a whole other thing with, with the <laughs> enabling thing, but yes, that honestly, if we can get past that, I think that, um, and really get grab a hold of what the Bible says and speak that over our lives. I truly believe that we are going to see things change and shift mm-hmm. because I truly believe Jesus has authority yes, and power over it. Yes. So um, anyway, so going into this here, um, yeah. So that was great, and uh, and then she did all that she could in her human power to get well. How many years you tried to battle the issue? You know, man, Jesus. If he's your last hope, last option, last whatever. You st- you still have that ace in the hole. You still oh, yeah. you, you still have that that card there to 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 go into. And um, so we just knowing how much and she how much she was desperate mm-hmm. and dealing with. Um, I I couldn't imagine that, especially in that kind of a culture, um, dealing with those kinds of things. But I love when you pointed out that the last words in Malachi, or some of the final words, you know, in Malachi, yeah, when she was you know probably she they knew this. Uh, a lot of the really well educated. Um, Jewish culture, they actually were really well educated. So men and women both went to the first school and they had the first five books completely memorized. Mm-hmm. And then and then uh, the next stage of school, it was the whole entire Old Testament that we know, um, the men would go to that school and they would l- memorize all the rest, all the prophets and all the you know chronicles and the, the poems and, and all of that. And so it's kind of this amazing thing. So, I mean, so people knew the word. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. knew it. This wasn't a thing like nowadays there's so much Bible illiteracy. Um, like we, that's why we do the uh, walkthrough series. Like we're, you know, going through Romans and stuff like now, but it's like, because actually there's the stats are kind of crazy. People haven't even read through a whole entire chapter yeah. of the Bible. So <laughs> a lot of illiteracy back in this day, these people were not illiterate. Right. These people had it memorized. They knew it. So, she having that knowledge um, and has heard probably from other people teaching about the prophets, knowing the scripture, uh, man, making that connection. I think that was really cool getting into her psyche, how she took the word of God, hung on to that, mm-hmm. believed, and then saw Jesus, who's the Messiah, made the connection that this is the one who this scripture is talking about, mm. and I'm going to go after that and yeah. lean on it. Man, that's just exactly what we've been talking about, yeah. grabbing hold of scripture and leaning on that and grabbing hold of it. Something about being tenacious. You got to be tenacious. Feisty and tenacious. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So I love that whenever, um, you know, just hearing that glimmer of hope and going after that. And uh, so, yeah. So make everyone unclean, breaking the law. That's kind of, you know, what was going on there. Um, but he fulfills the law. And I love that, you know, and then calling her daughter. So anything else you want to add to the woman there? I mean, the part I, I, Doing some research and stuff, the yeah. the amount of blood this woman would have lost, oh, you know, man. qualified her for a blood transfusion. Wow. And when I read that, I was like, oh, it, it just <laughs> she needed a blood transfusion, and she got a blood transfusion. You know, yeah. that excited me probably over any part of the sermon. That's um, awesome. Just that realization, you know, not only 
a physical blood transfusion, mm. you know, but like a spiritual one where Jesus gave her, you know, his royal blood, then calling her daughter. And so mm. that part excited me. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> well, no, that that is. It's amazing. And that is, there's um in Levitical law, there's there um by the way, if you have not read the book of Leviticus, you may think it's really boring or any of this. I literally taught our youth a whole series yeah. on Leviticus. I literally got to tell you, in Leviticus 16, which is the middle of the middle of the Torah, if you're going like from the beginning and the ending and working towards the middle, the middle of the middle is the Day of Atonement, which mm. is all about the blood of the Lamb, okay? That is the atonement for the people's trespasses and sins and then the camp to cover them, didn't cleanse them, it covered it. So that way God's judgment didn't have to mm. pour over and he had to take it out on that because God is just. So that's why anytime you saw God do something that was very, oh, he took out Sodom and Gomorrah or he did this or he did that, it's his judgment and he has to, in order for him to be just, he has to be able to do his judgment, mm. okay? And um, so so with the Day of Atonement, there is, it says there's, there's a power, the life is in the blood. Mm. And so there's something about blood, on even on a spiritual matter, that is so important and has a lot of power, even on the dark side of things, which is in warlocks right. and stuff. That's why they do animal sacrifices and other crazy stuff, um, because there is something about blood. There is a there is a, an, an attribute there in the connection. So God, you know, on the good side of things, that's why yeah Jesus you know paid the price. But you look at it, and that's why he's called the Lamb of God. But looking then back in the Levitical law, you can really see the power of that, of why blood and why her getting that blood transfusion from the Lamb of God mm. on the spiritual side of things, you know, totally cleansed her on a spiritual level, not just on a physical level. So I love that connection. Yeah, that, mm. that was great um, when you shared that. And uh, yeah, and then and I love that. We have to take the first step of faith. Yeah. There, there, you do have to do something. That's why we do altar calls. You kind of take that step. Right. I know it's not in the Bible, like, oh, you have to you have to respond to an altar call, but it's like if you're in that situation or in that service and the moment's there and standing up and walking forward in a place where everyone's literally rooting for you to make that decision, um, we should be able to be brave enough to do that and be able to go up there. Everybody in that room is rooting for you. Nobody in there right, is right. judging you. Everybody wants it, wants to see people come to know the Lord. And, you know, you're not being shameful or ashamed of him and your decision and because um, in front of every people, in front of everybody. So I think it's, uh, you know, we have to take those steps of faith. And, uh, and and if it's in your deal with dealing with sickness and disease or dealing with those things, take the step of faith, mm-hmm. you know. Well, how does me quoting the Bible verses over my life, how does that, well. Got to try it. You got to try you it. You know, and. You know, Pastor Terry, you know, you, we can, we can encourage, you know, we yeah. can try to, you know, build hope in people, but it ultimately is up to the person, yes. you know, if they're going to take it and try it out. Um, and it's kind of like, what do you have to lose? So yeah. test God, see yeah. that he's good. Yeah. And, and that's the, that, that's the whole thing, you know, taste and see that he's good. Yeah. Go after it. Um, what do you have to lose in that sense? Like, you know, uh, it's free. Like he's not mm-hmm. giving you a medical bill mm-hmm. at the end, you know, like your other doctors, <laughs> like, you know, like we'll go after it and, um, you know, build up your faith. Um, you, you do have to build up your faith and you to, to sometimes to take that step of faith. And right. so, yeah, get in the word. That's how you build it up is by hearing the word of God and, uh, and, and understanding it. That's why we preach the good news before we give an altar call. So the word of God can go forth and by hearing it, faith can be released in the room can be built up inside the hearts of people 
and to get them to the place of the most opportune moment for them to make that decision to follow Jesus. The preacher is battling for your soul and for you and being used by God as a warrior in that sense to battle, to release faith in the room, to give you the bravery, to give you the strength, whatever you want to call it, to be able to make that decision to go after God. And so, um, it's important, and when we understand these things, they're all in the Bible, when we understand how those things work, we really start to see what God's doing and why he has these things set up um, for us and so and how to battle these things. And so hearing the Word of God will increase your faith and uh, to keep believing in God and believe to see those things happen. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then I thought it was powerful, you telling your testimony and all of that. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, yeah. just being... Just being open and sharing that, and um, there's power in the telling of the testimony. Yeah, and there the blood is. Of the lamb. Yeah, there yeah. really is. So yeah, I, I'm, good. I'm, you know, can be a stubborn person, and I was one of those people where people were trying to fan a, a flame mm. of hope in my mm. heart. You know, yeah. speak truth and stuff, and it took me falling flat on my face, <laughs> you know, walling around in sure. a pig pen. What am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> you know, and so. Yes, yeah. there is power in testimony. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm asking God, you know, for discernment on, mm-hmm. you know, what to share, when to share, that sort of thing, and communicating yeah. with Matt about it and all of that. And yeah. um, so I, I felt, you know, a relief. And Matt, you know, was part of, that was a big part of, you know, the, the um, planning and stuff for the sermon that Matt was involved in, you yeah. know, talking through you know, that part of our life and stuff. And, um, but God is good and, and he yeah. redeems. And, but I will say, you know, it took, um, it took a risk on both of our ends, you know, mm-hmm. to, cause both of us did not believe our marriage was salvageable, yeah. you know? Right. And so it, it took a big step. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say this, the feelings for Matt did not come until, after a step of obedience. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people think they need to feel a certain way, you know, before they, you know, because that's my sign. You know, if I all of a sudden get (laughs) butterflies when I see him the next time, then that's my sign. Mm. No. Um, (laughs) My my experience was there weren't any feelings. It was about more about the fear of God, like a realization Mm. of what I was about to do. Um, And... I was more afraid of disobeying than obeying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say when that step of faith was taken, when I when I obeyed, the feelings came afterwards, you know. I yeah. couldn't wait to get my hands on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that and that's the thing there, isn't it? Like uh, I think there's a lot of other testimonies out there that that have that that core concept of when I'm just I'm going to obey because I, I love God, first and foremost. So if I love him, I'm going to obey his commandments. So out of love and, and you know, and just the fear of God, having that respect of God, and just like, well, I know he's creator. I'm going to have to answer to him at yeah. the end of this. The only voice really that matters in our lives at all is really God's voice. Because at the end of all of this, the only person I have to face right. is God right. as, my ju- as my judge. So uh, I really feel that conviction. I really feel those things like, man, I need, I, yeah, I want to be right. Um and when you do that, it's amazing to see then God comes in with that grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just I'm talking about the salvation grace, uh, uh, but it's like this: uh, it's the grace as far as in the definition of ability. 
it gives you that, that grace mm-hmm. to walk in obedience and continue to, and man, you make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the beautiful part there with that, that God walks through these things with us and gives us grace to walk these yeah. things out and grace to walk in obedience according to his commands. And, uh, and he's always there when we do stumble or mess up, you know, but he's there to help us to sustain those things and practice those things. Yeah. So maybe times we have bad days, but there is that practicing of I'm practicing holiness. I'm practicing yeah. following his word and going after it. Just like those could also be practicing immorality and doing bad things um, and why there needs to be that change. And so I think that's so, uh, it's, it's huge in that sense. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the testimonies are powerful. If you want to hear the full the the full on testimony, you, you know, I encourage you to go listen to it. You know, on, on the live stream we have on Facebook or whatever, and then eventually it'll be on this podcast as as an episode of just a live sermon um, to to dive more into it. But but they, um, I think it's just really important with that. And um, there was a. Uh, there's a lot of stories. I won't get into them, but there's a lot of stories that I know of different people, preachers, different things like that, where just God just kind of worked on them, and they they were completely done. And then all of a sudden, they just made that motion of, yeah. "I'm going to obey you, though, even though my feelings aren't there. I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to go. I'm just going to be faithful to you, Jesus, even though my feelings aren't there. Because yeah. feelings aren't facts, right? They right. really aren't. You can't go with your feelings because they'll be like the, They'll be like all over right. the place, like wind and Sometimes you have to be faithful to Jesus over your feelings, yeah. faith, faithfulness over feelings, and uh, and that's what really is required of us. Um, you're not always going to feel the butterflies, you're not always going to feel goosebumps or whatever it is, um, and, and so you can't get caught up with that. And that's um, that's something that I even teach in the premarital counseling when I do, or even when I teach the youth about dating and stuff, and just talking to them about what is the es- essential essence of love. And what is it whenever, because a lot of people will say, well, there's three main things that the person has to have before a lot of people decide to marry, right? It's, it's uh, well, they make me have butterflies in my stomach. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm attracted to them. And then they, um, I can talk to them about anything or whatever. You know, yeah. I feel there's a connection there. Or we can, it's relatable. Chemistry. Yes. <laughs> but all those things are all things that that person's giving to you. Right, and it's not at right. all about what you're giving back to them. And uh, and true love is all about what you want to be for the other person, not necessarily what I just get out of this relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it. Well, they make me feel this way. Okay, well, eventually the butterflies don't fly anymore. And then what do you do now? You know, And uh, and so if you're not getting it from them anymore, you're going to look elsewhere. And so... Uh, or or just a way out from that situation right. to be free to look elsewhere. So th- there's those things... Um, that are just really big. But anyways, I, I, that's a whole nother rabbit trail. I have to shoot the rabbit and get back to it. So uh, I apologize, listeners. But anyways, all that good stuff we're touching on. But anyways, um, yeah, so uh, so she heard all that. So now we're we're getting in here into, uh, let me see here, uh, to, well, we got more stuff. Um, uh, just Jairus here and just him being uh, just a religious man, you know, a parent. We kind of talked about all that um, mm-hmm. and having that authority and that reputation trying to uphold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think sometimes we overlook that sometimes when we look at Jairus' situation and and, um, and just like he was putting a lot on the line yeah, as well. Yeah, he was. You know, honestly. And uh, so when you use our authority to go get Jesus and bring him into our home, I love that. So... I think speaking as parents or just anybody right. who's over anything, you know, how do you use your authority? Yeah. You know, 
I think that's a real big question. Do we use our authority for self-serving reasons? Do we use our authority to make sure Jesus is in the midst of it and he has rulership of the of the atmosphere? Mm-hmm. Um, Jairus was going out. He's like, I need Jesus' authority in this situation. Mm-hmm. I don't have authority over death, but Jesus does. Yeah. So I need to go get him and bring him into the situation. And uh, as far as we know, he was a, he was a good man, a righteous man, right. but he's like... But only so much a man can do. I right, need Jesus. Right. And what are we doing as parents? What are we doing as as adults in the situations? Are we bringing in Jesus who has the ultimate authority into our situations, or are we just trying to figure it out on our own or or whatever? Um, and I think that's so imperative. Um, and just looking at that, so I love that you pointed that out. Um, you have anything you want to add on that, or? Yeah, just that, you know, the different ways uh, parents, guardians, we need to bring, you know, our authority in Jesus Christ, like into our homes and stuff, you know, really encouraging, trying to encourage parents to start laying their hands on their children. And when they are being tormented, praying out loud over them. And um, it, it was a plea I made, you know, to the, to the crowd of like, as the children's director here, like starting to have really hard conversations with your kids, even yes. at my youngest is six years old. Wow. And when I talk to her, some of the things she knows or thinks she knows can be you know, really, really alarming. And mm. so having those conversations, because we can't, you know, shield them from everything, but right. we can help them interpret, you know, by bringing Jesus into it and yeah. bringing the word of God into it. Um, and so, yeah. So I yeah. just gave some different examples of ways to use that authority in the home. Oh no, that's great. Yeah, and yeah, better to hear from you as the parent first than to let YouTube teach them or social media or whatever it is yeah. that you let your kids get into on far as the phone goes. The phone is a window to the whole entire mm-hmm. worldwide web. So everything the world has to offer is all on your phone. And let me tell you, there are many, many ways to get around it. I don't want to alarm you, but there are many <laughs> ways to get around what you think are parental blockers and things and your kids know it and they're not going to ever tell you about it. So I'm telling you as a youth pastor, they definitely know their way around it. Mm -hmm. Um, So just keep that in mind. Um, uh, You'd be surprised at some of the tactics that some of these kids are using and what apps are using that you think are completely harmless, like Mm -hmm. the Bible app and uh, the YouVersion Bible app. There's a way to get around some things with that. So I don't have time to dive into all that, uh, but if you want to know more, talk to me. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So we could allow this to like invoke a bunch of fear. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. putting them in a bubble till they're 30. Right, you know, right. Or you know, we can take some initiative, be having yes. conversations. The best time parents is pillow talk at night. Mm. I mean, my daughter talks all the time, but you know, with my <laughs> boys, you know, taking <laughs> turns, yeah. you know, laying with them at night and seeing uh-huh. what comes out of their little mouths and stuff mm. and talking then, you know, and yeah. my kids go to Mansfield Christian. It's a Christian school, you know, yeah. and, and we're strict with our screens at home and yes. stuff. And still the things they know is like, what on earth, you know? How so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Being <laughs> able to ask that question then, okay, yes. so what is Jesus say about this? Right. So what does the Bible say? Let's mm-hmm. figure it out. And, um, it's good. So. Yes. And that's, that's the deal. That's, that's really the deal. So be proactive in that, you know, um, you know, it's not just up to me and Jess here to, to just have those whole, all those hard conversations with your kids. 
we should be an ally and a reinforcement right. to what you guys are doing at home. Um, and uh, we, we will have those hard conversations with your kids, you know, when they ask and when they allow that, um, you know, by all means, that, that's part of our job is to equip your kids to do the work of the ministry, to be, you know, representations of Christ and to be equipped for what they're going to face. Like I'm dealing right now with youth kids that, you know, three, four years from now, they're going to be in the middle of college where the unfortunate statistic is 80% of, of youth kids who grow up in a youth group fall away and uh, 20% remain with Christ. Now, I'm one of those who at 20% went through secular school all the way in my life, secular college, all of that. But I will tell you, you have to be mentally prepared. So I've been through the battlefield. I'm telling you, this is what they're going to have to face. And so if you don't have the hard conversations with them, it's not being reinforced at home. Um, it has more impact than even what we're doing. Mm. But we, but if you're doing it and we're doing it, it's even greater chances that they will be part of the 20% right. rather than part right. of the 80 and so that is so crucial. So I definitely, you know, encourage you with that. We, in fact, do have a resource page that's available to parents to have hard conversations with kids about all kinds of issues of life. So I have that on the website, on our student uh, ministry page on the website. You can go check it out, click resources. It'll take you to my Google Drive with all kinds of resources and apologetic stuff, everything, to have these conversations with your kids. If you're like, I don't know how to start or where to talk about Go through that resource list, and you will be able to start at least get the topic going, yeah. get the icebreaker going. And uh, I'm not saying that it's the Bible on there, but I am saying that it is biblically based, and it is something to give you some guidelines and some you know ways to maybe talk about things. That's so good. You know, and the world would call that brainwashing. You know, when we, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking, yeah, give me their little brains and let me watch yeah. it. You know, like, that's our job as yeah. parents to guide yeah. them and train them in the ways of God. Yeah, it's so true, and uh, yeah, because it's your responsibility. Yeah, um, God's going to look at you as the parents, and and will say like, I gave you precious lives in your in your care and authority, and you squandered it. Or you didn't do justice by it, or you allowed yourselves to say, "I'm more concerned about my wants and needs than necessarily my responsibility mm-hmm. in this." And it, and it's, it's I know it's hard. I get it. Life is crazy and all of that. But man, when you really care about something, you will make time for it. There, just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You will uh, make time for it. You will make a way when you understand the 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 gravity of what's going on. And maybe you didn't have that example growing up, but mm-hmm. you don't. You guess what? You can be a chain breaker for your legacy. Amen. your kids yeah. and you don't have to be exactly how you maybe if you, if you came from a bad home or came from people maybe who neglected their parental duties and responsibilities and just kind of let you have at it and make your own mistakes and learn from them and let the world teach you you can be a chain breaker my father was a chain breaker for me and, and our family and uh, so I'm forever thankful for that um, and so that's something that I know I'm reaping the benefits of because my dad decided to not be like his father um, in a lot of areas and so you can be a chain breaker. Mm-hmm. It can start with you. So, um, yeah, I'm not trying to invoke fear. I'm trying to be real, though, and and just know right. that the world is definitely working 10 times harder to get to your kids than than you think. Yeah. And so we then need to make sure that we're uh, doing that and making sure because it, it, the, the stats are true. Even who has more influence over your kids than even you is actually their friends mm-hmm. and their peers have uh, in the adolescent ages that they have the way more influence than even parents. And so outside of the house, uh, as youth groups and kids ministries and parents, together we, we can rival those other influences, but it has to be together and and rival those other influences that the world's doing. And yeah. and being also, as a parent, you get to kind of 
kind of nod and point to who's a good friend and who's not for your kid because mm-hmm. uh, bad company corrupts good character. So anyways, we're going to move on from that. I mean, I, you, you, we could probably have a whole other yeah. episode on yeah. just talking about parents because kids in the next generation is really big on both of our hearts. Yeah. And so anyways, moving on here um, with, with Jairus, going to the next page. Um, anything you want to add? Uh, the rest with uh, Jairus at all that really sticks out? I mean, I did, I, I pointed out that, you know, he was dad. It mm. was dad that went and got Jesus. Um, yeah. I sort of imagined a conversation at home between Jairus and his wife and Jairus mm. being like, you go get that Jesus and bring him <laughs> up. You know? But no, it was dad. And yeah. just making the point, we need our dads, you mm. know, and it's like, women, stop saying we don't need no man. Yes, we do. <laughs> I don't need no man until it's time to take out the trash. No, <laughs> Matthew, where are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, just we need we need our men. We need dads. Yes. I have the same Holy Spirit as Matt, yes. right? But he carries it differently. Yes. Um, and we've talked about this before, too. Mm-hmm. Even the kids, you know, in our church, they respond differently to male authority, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a little plug from Children's Church, but we need <laughs> some, it. you know, men volunteers, you yes. know, it's mm-hmm. uh, so they can see you worshiping God so that that we have that extra backup as women, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and I know that, you know, men have abused that authority sure. and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just your presence, you know, yeah. is different than what a woman can bring. Yeah. So, Well, even now more than ever, there's a lot of fatherless homes. Yeah. So them seeing a, a man who is on fire for Jesus that loves the Lord and seeing what a Christian man looks mm-hmm. like at a young age when they're more, you know, where a lot of things are more impressionable, things that are going on and they're seeing... Uh, men that are on fire for Jesus that are back there, it pl- it's huge, especially huge. for the young boys. Yeah. Um, so if we want to see our young boys become godly, strong men, they need to have those great examples in their life. And a lot of our kids uh, are dealing with a lot of, you know, heavy issues. Um, you know, uh, when you get to know the kids and hear some of their stories and stuff like that. And so so for some of them, this is the only kind of lifeline they have of hearing the gospel, you know, um, and, and just seeing that kind of representation with that. So I definitely am a big proponent for it, um, for redeeming men uh, yes. with within kids' ministry and stuff. And that's been a personal just mission and goal of mine um, with that um, and, and not letting the those who abuse their authority have the final say over men in general of what they can and cannot do. And, and, and to calling men to rise to the occasion and responsibility and not just saying, oh, that's just women's work uh, to do over there or just that's just a woman's thing. They go back there with the kids. I... I don't like kids or this or that. It's like, okay, but you, you got to change because that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus was all about kids and loved kids. Even when the disciples tried to shoot him away, he's like, no, I took, he took each one, hugged them, you know, blessed them, you know, and spoke life over them and, and really ministered to them. And uh, so it's very important on his heart. And so you don't have the same heart, then you need to actually change and get more in line with Jesus. That's the whole point of being a disciple, walking with Christ, is we get more and more in line with Jesus because he's the final authority on issues, of all issues in our life. And if he's like, kids are important, they're valuable, they need to be blessed and ministered to, then we need to follow suit with that um, because Jesus lived it and by example. And uh, so that's my heart. So yeah, if you're somebody who's grown man, and you know, we do background checks, we do all that. We make mm-hmm. sure everybody back there is is able to handle that responsibility well. Um, but it's so important. And so I definitely say that. And and just the role of men 
you know, there is something about that. The that's why you know the Bible talks about like in order to rob a house, you know, you have to bind up the strong man. It's talking about the husband or the yeah. the father, and in order then to take the plunder and to take the things that are going in there. And so there's this essence here where there is a there's a level of authority that men have, and so there's there's no one's more valuable, but the value is the same between men and women. But there is the roles are different, right? And what they found out, even statistically in the world, what they're finding out is that if the male gets saved, he's on fire for Jesus. This is a family to say that's unsaved, doesn't know Jesus at all, but the but the husband, he gets radically saved, set free, and he's on fire for Jesus. 93.5% chance that the rest of the family will oh, follow suit. Oh, I bet, yeah. Okay, that's 93% chance. If the wife gets on fire for Jesus, but the father's like, I ain't about this at all, my kids mm. aren't about it, then it's only a 43% chance wow. or 42% wow. chance. So then and if, if the kids get saved first and the parents have, and then it goes down to like 15 or 10%. Okay. So um, that's the stats yeah. on that. And the crazy stat that's not really popular to say, and but <laughs> it's, it's, okay, it's, do it. it's the real facts, you guys. This is the real thing that even um, that when men are, are in the home, and obviously we're going to even also say they're godly men going right, after Jesus right. and stuff, the chances of the kids getting involved in promiscuity and drugs and all these other things goes away like almost 100%. Like it, it decreases it immensely. Mm-hmm. And the other interesting fact is that 80% of our inmates in jails actually come from um, that actually come from the foster care system yeah. who never yeah. had parents or yeah. people or good influences or were fatherless. And if a, if a male has kids, if he's in a loving, wonderful marriage and all that stuff and he's godly, they have the same, all the stuff of not going into the bad areas of life and staying out of jail, staying away from drugs, staying away from all these things. And the chances are increased. And uh, But even if it's a single dad who is raising kids, the effects stay the same. Really? It does It, it does change if they only see mom and they don't okay. actually have any father. Mm-hmm. So that's the crazy thing. A lot of people don't like to talk about that, but... But that is a true fact that it stays across the board mm-hmm. the same. So the importance of that, that's part of the male's role because males instill identity into their children. Yeah. That's their goal. Mothers nurture uh, and care for them uh, whenever they stumble and fall. But males are to instill identity and to call them higher. And so together, it's a foolproof system yeah. that God created yeah. because, man, if you're always on them, rise, 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 you yeah. know, but they're, I mean, they're life happens, nurtured, yeah. they're not nurtured. <laughs> I mean, then they, they can really crumble under yeah. pressure and, and really build up resentment and build up things. Yeah. And so it's such a beautiful thing how that grows. Um, but it is an important thing. And so I think that was great that you kind of pointed that out. Like, Hey, you know, we need each other, especially in this day and age, yes. uh, husbands and wives need each other, yeah. to, moms and dads to be able to instill that in kids and yeah. be partners and see, this is a co-ministry opportunity to minister to our kids that mm-hmm. we've been entrusted with. So that's um, that's a huge thing right there. Um, so I'm glad you kind of brought that up. That Jairus, you know, he his authority was over his house, and he gave Jesus that authority to come into right. the house and have his way. If he was against it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked. Right. Um, if he was completely against Jesus coming in, so that's that's a huge thing. Yeah. So um, so then talking about just um. Jesus, yeah. um, what can we learn from Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> right, <laughs> I know. Although Jesus isn't the answer for every single question. I remember one time I was going to the bathroom here at Fusion and overhearing the kids <laughs> in kids' class, and the teacher was trying to get them to, um, you know, recite after them. And yes. Like, 
uh, yeah, if if God is for us, who can be against us? And they all yelled out, Jesus! And the <laughs> teacher's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> He's not always the answer. Yeah. Yes, not always, no. <laughs> but what can we learn from Jesus? Yeah, yeah. I, I mainly wanted to focus on just his response, you know, to people. Um, yeah. The naysayers, you know, those who yeah. are mocking him and stuff. Um, he, he doesn't debate with them. Right. You know, and I, I look at today's world, we love debating, you know, mm. and it is it is battling things at the human level, you know, <laughs> in the human realm. And it's it's not working, you mm. know, no matter how smart you are, how much truth you have to, sure. you know, give people, it's, just, it's not working. Mm. Um, and so he does not debate him. It says that he ignores, he sets boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. He only allows... Mm-hmm certain people to come, uh, and then he carries on with the mission. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I loved that about him. And, uh, and and then the way that he responds to Jairus and the woman, um, mm. he, he allowed desperation to run its course. Like, he didn't go out searching for the woman, and he didn't go out searching for Jairus. Desperation ran its course. They came to him, you know, right. and then he was ready to respond. I can be really guilty of this, wanting to chase people, you know, mm-hmm. and um, bat them over the head with the truth, you know, yeah. or stuff it down <laughs> their throat, like, and, or I'll have the, you know, false thinking if, you know, if they would just talk to me, you know, sure. I will be able to wrap the truth in a way that they will, they'll get it, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we can't, we can't chase. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, that, that's mainly what I had, what I had pointed out, you know, about Jesus and him responding to people. Stop chasing, stop debating, instead mm-hmm. get yourselves ready to respond. Yeah. Yeah, because that is true. Yeah, I mean, Jesus wasn't there to debate. To, here's my five-point reasons why right. I am. You know, the only time he would actually interact or try to state is when they asked the questions right. and when they were, like, trying to be into Whether trying to trap him or not, he always did give an answer, whether it was by another question, but it was still always pointing towards that whole thing. Because it's hard, you know, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions within modern day Christianity about history uh, of the Bible is the Pharisees. When you really look at the Pharisees, honestly, if Jesus was to come back in this day and age, evangelicals, we would be the Pharisees. Mm. We would be the one, it says like the Sadducees would be more like the more pious type of form of Christianity, like maybe the Catholic Church or the, you know, Presbyterian or something like wearing the robes and it's real more formal. But the Pharisees were more like the people's preachers. They were the ones that were kind of like the popular amongst the people because they kind of were a little bit more um, walking amongst the people and being around them. The Sadducees just kind of stayed in the temple and just kind of stayed in their little palace. But the Pharisees were seen in that way, and they were they were really respected as people who literally did say they practiced what they preached, they did this. So when you really look at it, it you know, I think that is one of the misconceptions we get really big, like, because um, there's a lot of Pharisees that did follow Jesus, that did come mm-hmm. to know him. Um, fun little fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but like, you know, Joseph of Arimathea, um, who's the guy that gave... Jesus, his, uh, basically his tomb to to be used. Here's your tomb, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, here you go, you know. Yeah, he was um, also, he's the guy that owned the house for the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. His, uh, another fun fact, he also went by another name in the Bible. Do you know the other name he went by in the Bible? No. Barnabas. Okay. So Barnabas is a nickname, means the encourager. Okay. He's the reason why Paul even got into ministry, and he's also... That's the same guy? Same guy, okay. yeah. Paul and, Paul and Barnabas. So he's the same guy that, you know, vouched for Paul, okay. brought him before. He also, his cousin, 
is also John Mark, who wrote the the mm. book of Mark, and uh, and uh, and Mark is also in the in the Bible. If the gospel, fun little factor in the Garden of Gethsemane, there is a guy who like his pajamas or his robe got caught up in the bushes, and so he's running around kind of like half naked. <laughs> That's John Mark. Um, and so he these people witnessed Jesus's life, and Joseph of Arimathea was from a very um, wealthy family. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, amongst the olive groves, was a very vacation home type of place. And that's where they had the Last Supper. It was kind of away from things, and that's where they ended up having Last Supper, and he hosted them all over there. So it's really interesting, um, just when you start to look at and Nicodemus and other people mm-hmm. that were these Pharisees, they a lot of them were seeing Jesus and were following him, and there were those that obviously were not. Um, it's really the Sadducees that really were the ones that wanted to kill Jesus because he was kind of dismantling the whole temple mm. system and that's where they had all their power. And so that's why then they teamed up with Rome to really crucify Jesus. But it really wasn't the Pharisees that actually got Jesus. Jesus was getting upset with those, but it was really those that were hypocritical Pharisees, mm. the ones that said one thing, but really right. were doing another and more in love with their title and position rather than their love for God. And, uh, and so it just gets kind of highlighted, but it's one of those things, um, that I think it's misconstrued when we study history and we start calling people Pharisees and this and that. It's like, so it's really inaccurate, but just one of those things that I I guess is stuff that as you study more and you start to realize all the different like, um, sects of, of people, the Essenes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Mm -hmm. the Zealots, and you really start looking at it, man, Jesus was able to really relate and minister to everybody from each of those categories. And, uh, I mean, he had a tax collector, yeah. <laughs> and he had a zealot that yeah. were his twelve disciples, <laughs> and that gets highlighted a lot in the chosen. Yeah, but it is good. kind of this interesting dynamic. So, um, anyways, yeah. So Jesus, man, he he knows who he is. He's not going to cast pearl before swine. He's not going to be desperate. He's not desperate. Um, God just is. It's not in his nature to be desperate. He's so chill. He's content. Yeah, <laughs> he's content, chill, and he knows what he has to offer. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he is always working on us and, and desires for us yeah. to come back, just like any parent would desire their kid to stop, you know, being out on drugs or yeah. stop that whole thing and come back home or come back, you know, and 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 change their life. But um, yeah, there. That's not the, the baiting thing. And um, so. Um, I love that the dream that you shared and are you ready church, you know, for the prodigals mm-hmm. coming home. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. Um, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we like to whine, complain, you know, talk about how messed up dark the world is getting. And yes, mm-hmm. it is. Uh, but we forget that, you know, the rise of prodigal sons will be the rise <laughs> of returns, you know? Yes. And so what are we doing to get ourselves ready? You know, are we going to war in the spiritual realm, you know, by intervening in prayer, you know, and, and speaking life, you know, yeah. and all of that. So, yeah, I want to be ready. Yeah. No, I think that's huge. Uh, I think there was somebody one time, I was at my old church, we were crying out for revival. Mm. And, and, you know, true revival is people just coming to the Lord, repenting of their sins and stuff, and just in mass droves. And it's just a God yeah. doing amazing things. And, um, you know, signs and wonders and all that stuff, you know, can follow that. But but the main thing is repenting and, and coming through. And uh, and we were talking one time on staff, and I think we were like, you know, we're crying out for revival, one of the pastors on staff. And she was like, I we're crying out for revival, but I'm like, I really don't see us logistically. We're not anywhere near ready for this. 
logistically. Mm. She's like, and I wonder if it's part of the reason why we're not seeing it is the fact that we honestly, though, even if we, if we did have 20,000 people come to our church, how would we even right, handle that? Right. What's our, what's our game plan? <laughs> yeah, we, you know? we think we want, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah, you know, yeah. Cause I mean, we were looking at in our city, it's about 65,000 yeah. or whatever and X amount of churches. And if you did the math, you divide it up and it was like, wow, we're, and we were a 2000 member church. So we're like, oh, if we add another, that would be like another five or 6,000 yeah. that would come to us. You know, if we all split it up evenly, I'm like, what would we even do yeah. um, with another 5,000 people coming to our door on Sunday morning? How would we handle that? Like, so what's our game plan? And if we have that, um, you know, it's important to have vision and write it down and, and get a strategy from God and be like, well, this is on our heart. And God, like, do you have a strategy? Do you have answers to that? Because to be prepared for that. And, and, uh, cause that would just cause mass chaos and actually probably a lot of harm would happen. Actually 5,000 people just came storming <laughs> in the door. Um, but it's just kind of an interesting t- topic to yeah. kind of think about, uh, you know, with that. And so, you know, are we ready, um, emotionally, are we ready or do, do we have the spiritual maturity to handle right. that and how to receive people right. coming from all kinds of all kinds of backgrounds that are not traditional, especially in this day and age, because of all the stuff that people are involved with or allowing themselves to take part in. Um, we're praying for them to get saved, and when they are, okay. But there is like like a baby Christian, yeah. you know, yeah. like babies. Sometimes you know they poop their diapers and they do that. Okay, um, they're going to make messes. Yeah. They're going to make spills and things. So as mature Christians, how do we handle the baby Christians when they come in from this? Right. And are they going to have a loving atmosphere? Or are they going to have a judgmental atmosphere where it's like, oh, you know, it's like, well, you know, remember when you were immature mm-hmm. and when you were a baby Christian and the things that you messed up and things you were growing with. So I think, yeah, we're going to have to Yeah, it's really going to take that. time. Mm-hmm. It's going to take compassion and grace for sure. Yeah. So, so I thought that was really good. And yeah, and the, he went to the prodigal son and just kind of that whole thing, how the father didn't debate. He yeah. just kind of, the son knew where to find him. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. And then, yeah, it ended with addressing disappointment, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we talked about like, you have nothing to lose, you know, if you, yeah. you know, step out in faith. Uh, but people, you know, they, they risk being disappointed, you know, again. Yeah. And so asking God that question, what do I do with disappointment? Mm. An unanswered prayer, you know, mm. when the miracle, the healing, the breakthrough, it didn't come. I think the biggest one is yet, yeah. you know, it hasn't come yet, you know, yeah. but what happens when the premature mature death did come, you know, yeah. and, and what do we do with disappointment? And I know there's so much there, like mm. so much. And, um, God uses things, you know, that we go through all of mm. that. Um, so, so I just ended with sharing, you know, what God had spoken to my heart when I asked him that question, you know, and and he led me right to the persistent widow. You know, mm. how did she respond when when she didn't get the answer and she didn't, you know, go home and wallow in self-pity and discouragement? Uh, she didn't even, like, go back to him and water down her answer, you know, with, like, you know, less of a plea. You know, she went back again and again and again. And uh, Jesus wraps up that parable, you know, by asking, you know, when I come back, will I find faith? You know, mm. like he's coming back, and when he comes back, will he find faith? And yeah. um, so I, I really couldn't shake. I didn't want to address that because I don't have the answers. But uh, God would not let me shake it. You know, like talk about it, okay? Yeah. You know, give a charge that we need to go after it again and again mm. and again. And um, so, yeah, disappointment, unanswered prayer can either cause complacency, 
right? Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. So now I'm just going to sit back in my seat, be an observer, you know, bitterness can settle, settle in, you know, um, or it can give you a spiritual chip on your shoulder, you know, light Mm -hmm. a righteous, you know, fire underneath your hiney, um, and, and get you going after it again, you know? Mm -hmm. So. No, that's huge. And and I think it's good to touch on that because there are those probably sitting out there like, this is all great and dandy, but, but I I went through this or I walked through this and, and like, we hear you, God definitely knows and understands exactly what you went through. Um, what you're maybe the things you missed out on or things that didn't happen or come to pass. But the thing that we can always take charge in and, and is that encouragement to like buckle down and just don't give up, keep going through because, you know, um, at the end of it all, uh, in heaven, there is none of those things. And our loved ones right. that are, are, there are alive. Our loved ones are alive. The concept of the early church and to Jesus, even when in this parable, he says, she's not dead. She's merely asleep. That's literally the concept. The early church in the in the hundred years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, literally their whole deal was like, no, they're asleep. Yeah. Like they're, they're even some of the scriptures you read, Paul's saying, like, yeah, they're just asleep right now. Like it, no hope is gone. Don't lose your faith. Don't don't wig out mm. about this stuff. Yeah, there's persecution coming. Yeah, there's these things that are happening and all this. Like you guys haven't missed out, and uh, and so it is coming. It's just coming whenever the Lord's timing is. And to the, your the people that are in heaven or the people that are you know they're looking at their watch like oh yeah you guys will be here in five minutes yeah. anyways yeah <laughs> you know your our lives are nothing but a vapor so yeah. to them it's yeah. like you'll be here in five seconds like you know I, I'm not wigged out it's all good like we're all going to be reunited it's going to be awesome but you have to keep that hope and future glory yes help secure that um, in those things because it does talk about those things when we face um, hardships and things and how it builds character and it also and then in that character building and all those things. Uh, perseverance is built, character mm. is built, and then not only that, but then also uh, hope is built, and that hope does not disappoint. And he's talking about the hope of future glory. Yes. Um, that yes, we do. We don't mourn like others, and yes, we're just merely going to. They're just merely went to sleep, um, and we will see them again. They are alive, okay, and they uh, behold before a cloud of witnesses. You know, I mean, they they are there, um, yeah. and they're and they're either interceding. I believe they're interceding for us, you know, that are down here at the church, along with Christ, because Christ says that he intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. So he's interceding for his church. And so I believe the saints, those that are saved, you know, that are up there in heaven are praying and interceding. So so uh, they're not praying for you to just throw in the towel and sit back and be like, I'm going to hang on to bitterness and be mad because things didn't pan out how I wanted it to. Um, they're praying for you to rise up, to still be tenacious, to keep going after it, and to finish your race strong, yeah. the fight, the good fight of faith. You have to finish strong. Yeah. Um, and uh, so because um, it, it's important. And and so that's the whole deal there with that. And two, another light to that I just bring point to is Daniel, when he was praying uh, to God for an answer and stuff. And you, know, you read in there, there is a spiritual aspect that there are powers and principalities that we are to war against. Mm-hmm. Um, our battle is with them. We, we always harp, it's not with flesh and blood. Yeah, 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 but we, it's with powers and principalities. And like, are you actually fighting that battle? Right, right. Or are you just like, well, it's not with power, it's not with flesh and blood, so I don't have right. to actually do anything. No, you do have a battle to fight. It's with actually a crazier enemy, which is the powers and principalities. And, 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 and that whole deal there, Daniel was praying, interceding. He did not give up. He did not relent, okay? And because of that... Then all of a sudden it said that when the angel came to him and gave him that message, he said, I was held up yeah. by the power yeah. principality of Persia, 
was over this city, and until Archangel Michael came in, or until you know another more powerful angel came in to fend him off, so yeah. that to let me then escape and go, I was detained. So there's all kinds of that kind of stuff in the spiritual realm that we don't even begin right, to even understand right. that there is literally a battle. So praying for things, breakthrough, healing, other things literally could be on the way. You have to stay persistent. Yeah. And sometimes we just give up because it didn't happen yeah. the first three times we prayed and we just stop going after it and we're just like, whatever. And uh, and literally we know this angel's trying to get to us and uh, or to deliver that or to whatever. Right. Um, so there's those other aspects yeah. of things yeah. we don't, you know, Yeah, really we were about. discussing that a little bit at our small group. And, mm. and it's hard for our human minds to like wrap our heads around that because we're like, yeah. wait, isn't God sovereign so he can do <laughs> whatever he wants anyways and like what exactly is you know how am I supposed to participate when I pray does it untie God's hands you know and so (laughs) like we can yeah yeah, we can really go into Uh it and stuff and but we're told to do it you know we are told to pray um Uh and there's a reason why and uh, so yeah fight the good fight Mm -hmm. be persistent yeah there there is a battle to fight and uh there is powers that are out there and um it's called, he's called the Prince of the Air for a reason. He does have mm. authority um, uh, on the Prince of the Air, but because of Christ and what he did, he now then was able to, Christ was able to then get authority because he defeated hell in the grave. And then he extends that authority to his believers, those who follow him. Right. So the followers uh, are not subjected to his authority in that sense, but there is still a battle uh, that goes on right. um, in this realm. And so I think that is the big thing there because um, sometimes we can. We can just say, well, he's sovereign, so I just get to sit back and relax and drink my iced tea. And uh, that's not at all what Jesus taught at all um, in any case of the sense. And that's not at all what you read about when Paul and Peter and the others, when they write um, what they were dealing with, not at all. Um, so it's a false theology uh, mm-hmm. with that. But when you get into that realm and understand, wow, I have a really big part to play in this, there's a reason um, yeah. why he wants to build his church and a reason why he wants the church through the Holy Spirit partnering with us, who's with us, that we have this partnership to be able to do these things and build the church together. Um, so that's like such a, a huge deal um, and so important. Uh, so um, anyway, so I love all that. That's that's good stuff. So. Um, yeah, so we're kind of rounding out here, yeah. and that was a great, that was great. Uh, I, I think uh, we'll we'll kind of shut it down here. I know we went a little bit longer, but you know what? Um, I think it was all really good content, a lot of good stuff there. So you guys can take it in bite sized pieces. That's how you eat an elephant, <laughs> yeah. one piece at a time. <laughs> and uh, but it was really good. Yeah, I hope you had a good time. Jess, I did. On the, this midweek. is fun. I've never done anything like this before. Yeah. So kind of want you to take my picture so I can show yeah. my kids. They'll think I'm famous. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, guys. And uh, and we will be back, you know, next week. I believe PT is coming back into the pulpit, and he's going to be doing the next part of the Romans series. So uh, stay tuned with that. Romans is so important to dive into, so I'm excited to see what he has going on. And this Sunday is actually graduation Sunday. So those of you that are graduating, uh, we know who you are because you signed up. And, uh, and so we have a little gift for you guys and, um, we're going to have their, some of their tables are actually going to be in the lobby. So if you're listening and you want to bless some of our, um, graduates that are going on to college and whatever, um, you can bless them, give them a card, give them some encouragement, maybe give them a gift, whatever, uh, you feel led to do, but it's just a way as a church body that we can love and help bless, um, these kids that are going into a brand new season and it could be very scary and very freeing. Um, but also, 
We want to equip them. And we want yeah. them to take the land and for them to be a change agent wherever they're going to be. Um, so it's a great way for us as a body to encourage them and make them feel loved. Anyway, so that's happening all this Sunday coming up. So anyways, um, love you guys, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey.